Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 112. This is a dedication podcast. I want to dedicate this podcast to the fine people that invented daylight savings time. Without you, I wouldn't have to readjust and take about two to three weeks to figure out when it's going to get dark, why my kids are getting up an hour later, which I'm thankful for, and also knowing when the sun is going to rise. It, it, it takes me that long. So to you folks, that's who I'd like to dedicate. I don't know who you were or why you chose to do it. I heard about crops and some other stories. But anyhow, I hope that you are readjusting just fine to uh, springing forward, and I uh, hope that you are having a great spring as it's around the corner, getting ready for Easter and all of those great things. Uh, something that I've been up to, I'll give you a little update. I, I have been kind of busy, and this is something that I hope uh, lends itself to some great stories down the road. I have sent out some letters. Uh, I got an idea from a buddy of mine who's been on this podcast before, Justin Stuva, about sending out some letters asking for permission to hunt. I didn't grow up in this area. Not everybody knows me. I know people at the church, and that's where I've gotten most of my um, properties that I hunt. I only own three acres, so I've had to kind of drum up some places that I can go. And I've hunted those places, and they're great properties, but there's other people that hunt them, and I just sometimes you just want some other options. So I just got on Onyx, and I found um, a bunch of different property owners uh, around me within a, probably about a half hour to 45-minute distance, and I started just kind of saving some spots on Onyx, writing them down, and I came up with about 39. Wrote a letter that I got from Justin. I completely ripped him off. I just basically changed my name, added my picture instead of his, and <laughs> added some other stuff in there. I just explained who I am, that I'm an ethical hunter, and all those types of things, and just said, hey, I'm looking to turkey hunt, uh, possibly bow hunt. You know, I, obviously, I really want to bow hunt, but some people will let you in on the turkey before the deer, so thought that could be a way in. Sent those out, and... Um, and I sent those out just about four days ago, and I've started to get the responses back. So far, most of them have been no, but they've been very polite no's. People that have just been saying, hey, no, sorry, my family hunts here, but I just want to let you know, thanks for the letter. So I've been pretty pleased with that. I've actually gotten five responses. But one of those no's turned into a yes, and I'm pumped about it. A uh, lady called me and said, hey, um, I own a lease. There's people hunting on it. It's, you know, up for another four years. And I'm, by the way, I'm not looking to lease anything. I want this for free. Um, <laughs> so she says, uh, but I know of a property that I think I could get you on. Um, in fact, I actually called the landowners. I'm waiting for them to get back with me, but it's 53 acres, uh, not a huge piece, but I know nobody else uh, has permission to hunt it. It's a great in a great spot, surrounded by a bunch of good spots, and um, so uh, I'll let you know later on. So I'm like, well, that's awesome. I get a text from her later. She said, it's a go. All you got to do is call these people. I call them, and sure enough, I now have another 53 acres that I can hunt. Is that a huge chunk? No, but is it enough? Absolutely. And I don't know if I'm going to get any more, but I just want to tell you that I'm absolutely jacked about that. Like, it just thrills my soul to have another place. So I'm headed out there this Saturday, or Friday that is, with Trav and Josh, and we're going to go scout a little bit, shed hunt, and just make some fun. And uh, so thought I'd throw that out there to you guys. Um, I don't know if you're in my boots or not. You know, uh, some folks, it's just they have ability to go up and knock on the door and get permission. I've tried that. And it just seems like in my area, people just kind of like their privacy, especially with COVID. You don't know where people are. So I went the leather, letter route and um, 
I'll, I'll say it's a success, even though it's not a person that I actually asked originally. <laughs> Just the fact that I have another place where I can go and turkey and deer hunt. I got permission to do both. Pretty pumped about that. Guys, we're going to jump into the podcast, but first, I want you to do me a favor. If you haven't already, please go over to our YouTube channel and hit subscribe. Go to Shedding Light Outdoors on YouTube, hit subscribe. We are re-releasing some of our favorite turkey hunts over the last few years. I'm also working really hard to try and get my muzzleloader buck video done. That should be coming out soon as well, and I don't want you to miss them. If you go over there and hit that little bell, you'll get the notification. You'll know when they come out, and really appreciate your support in that. Uh, today's podcast is going to be a unique one. This is two guests that I'm interviewing. It's Matt Torado and Todd Brigham, and they are coming from Alaska. Um, and I was so pumped to hear from them and get some different stories, just some things that you're not used to. Today on the story, we're going to hear a jackrabbit story. We're going to hear a snow hare story, and we're going to hear a moose story. That's not something that we normally have. They have a great thing that they got going up there, trying to help youth get into nature. They have a thing called The Compass, and they're going to tell you all about that. It's a great interview. I think you guys are going to love these guys. Here is Matt and Todd. Well, it's not every day that I get to sit down and talk to somebody from Alaska about hunting stories, and it's not every day that I get to talk to two guys from Alaska telling their hunting stories, and it's my lucky day. I have Matt and Todd on the line. Matt and Todd, how are you? Doing great, man. Doing very good, Travis. How's how's things in Alaska? It's uh, been snowy recently, but today's beautiful, sunny day. A little bit uh. chilly, but... Uh... For Alaska, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, now, uh, you know, I'm thinking it's winter. You guys are coming out of winter in Alaska. Are you guys up in the igloos? I know that that's a picture what everybody thinks of whenever they think of it, but <laughs> I don't think you guys are in an igloo, right? We're not. Our houses might start looking like igloos, <laughs> it's just because we've had a few feet of snow. So they're actually, uh, uh, you know, made with with sticks and uh, or bricks and. And normal normal houses, not a uh, igloos out of ice. Gotcha. Although it is Alaska, and there is a possibility that you will see some yes. random looking houses. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, that's awesome! And if you venture off the road system to some of the villages, um, there's a chance you'll, you'd see igloos still. So. Wow, oh, that's very cool. So, where are you guys in Alaska? I wrote it down, but I'll just let you guys go ahead and tell us a little bit about where you're from, and tell us about which part of Alaska and all that. Yeah, I'm no, Todd, this is Todd, and I grew up in Alaska, moved when I was two from Colorado, and been in the Kenai, Nikiski area uh, most of my life, and um, yeah, just enjoyed being, being in Alaska hunting. Since I was little, I would chase spruce hen around trees with a pellet gun for hours. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably my first hunting experiences. Mine too. Pellet gun, pump, little pump pellet gun, uh, chasing spruce ends. So, oh, that's awesome. That's cool. So, you moved from Colorado to Alaska. Did I hear you say that right? Yep. Yep. When I was two, my parents moved up here, and my dad sold a concrete business in, in Colorado and, and moved north. And I um, grew up here until I went off to college, Texas, for a few years, but I uh, spent most of my life in, in Alaska. Oh man, that's really interesting. I had a guest. So the last guest that I had on who was from Alaska had moved from Alaska to Colorado. <laughs> so I find that kind of funny. You're my next person from Alaska. That's interesting. Cool. 
cool. Well, Matt, uh, how about you? Uh, I, I, we met on the Go Wild at, you're known as Big Matt. How do you say your last name? Tirado? Yeah, actually, well done. Thank that's you. the Thank you. Yeah, that's the uh, English way of saying it because my dad was Puerto Rican, so it's Tirado. And oh. the, anybody who speaks Spanish, they always giggle when I say that because it means like thrown out or like like essentially what you would do with garbage, you just toss it out. Really? <laughs> From what I've gathered, that's what people gig. That's why people giggle. Oh, well, I, I could see that. So where, where do you come from, Matt? So my family and I moved up here as missionaries to this town um, to work alongside with Todd and the church that we're sitting in right now recording this. And uh, we came up here last May and we, we haven't even been here a year yet, but I absolutely love this place. Yeah. That's gotta be a big adventure. Where'd you move from? Arizona. Arizona. Oh man, that's, that's, that's like hot and cold right there, right? You're going, that's interesting. Okay. And so, I, cause I love the heat. Okay. I love Arizona. I think it's a great state. And if you love hunting, Arizona is an amazing state for that too. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't like the summertime people get people. I have, I was just as grumpy in the summer as some people are here in with the snow and the cold. Yeah. And I'm, I love it. Oh, that's great, man. Now, whenever I was in Alaska, I was there, it's been several years ago. Um, the thing that I noticed, and like, I think I was there in maybe May, um, April, May. But I, what I remember about it was like, it never really got dark that time of year whenever I was there. Is that what you guys are experiencing now? Or are you kind of on the other end of that? How does, what's, what's, uh, I know that that's kind of a crazy part about Alaska. Sometimes it just, you'd be 2 a.m. It looks like it's sunny out. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that was one of the bigger shocks for sure when we got here. Um, but yeah, we're in that kind of 50, 50 range right now because it's, you know, six fifteen ish, whatever here. And we're, uh, we're still, it's still light out. Sun's about to get start to set and, uh, we're gaining what, like six minutes of daylight a day. Mm. So we, we, you, once you pass the, uh, once you pass the winter, the December 21st, uh, the winter solstice, we start adding minutes of daylight and you can really start noticing it. Mm. Yeah. That's gotta be a different, especially, I mean, if you live there your whole life, I suppose, you know, Todd, you'd probably get used to that. But uh, if you move there, that's, that's gotta be, that's gotta take some time to get used to, I would think. Exactly. We've had people come and visit in the summer when it's pretty much light, you know, all day and most of the night and they can't sleep. (laughs) <laughs> and we do, it does kind of affect us because the summers we, we play hard yeah. and we basically base our day around the run, fish run rather than <laughs> the sun. <laughs> it's totally true. It is 100% true. When we got here, I was told that it's not the sun that keeps you up. Like I can't go to sleep because the sun is out. It's the sun that keeps you up because you're like, it's 1030 at night. And you're like, Hey man, you want to go down to the river and go fishing? It's like, yeah, let's do that. it's the activity that you can do in the sun that keeps you up yeah man that's that's so wild that's such a different way of life but i mean it just sounds fun (laughs) i mean having that option so i want to start kind of with you guys obviously you have different hunting backgrounds i would think um we'll start with todd kind of give us a little bit of like your background into hunting talked about chasing the hens and those kind of things what was it like growing up hunting in alaska what are some of your early uh, hunting memories that you have for us 
Yeah, so a lot of times we would just hunt from my house. We would drive around looking for moose, you know, with my dad or, or I'd chase spruce hen. Probably one of the, the most memorable hunts was a rabbit hunt, snowshoe hare, with uh, two buddies of mine and one of their dads. And I was in seventh grade. So we, we went down a road called Swanson River Road, and it's an old, you know, burn area. So lots of trees to crawl over. And we, we started getting into the rabbits and we're filling our backpacks and I'm carrying a, a 410 shotgun and, and we got, uh, my buddy has 20 gauge and 22s. And I, we got full bags of uh, backpacks of rabbits. And before we know it, we can't, can't see the sun anymore. So we're looking around and it's starting to get a little later. It's the first snowstorm of the year. So oh, we're no. in jeans and we were not prepared for a, a, a winter blizzard <laughs> in the fall. So <laughs> the, the good, the reason we were getting so many rabbits is they had turned. There was a little dust in the snow and they were turning white. And so they stuck out like a sore thumb, oh, but wow. Before we know it, we're uh, we're in we're walking through a few inches of snow, and we decide to turn back uh, the the direction we thought we would hit the road. However, turns out we have a compass, and we're following it, and we'd walk and walk and walk, and we never hit the road. So we're start it's starting to get late, and you know, crawling over the, the deadfall from the, the fire and everything. Um, by this time, we probably have, you know, 15, 20 rabbits and about six, eight inches of snow. And a blood trail. And <laughs> yeah, our, our, our backpacks are uh, full of rabbits when we, we come across fresh brown bear tracks oh, man. In, in the snow. So it's snowing. So this brown bear is within, you know, a few hundred yards, most likely. Oh, man. And at that moment, a 410 shotgun feels like a BB gun. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're looking around. We decide to ditch a few rabbits hopefully to appease the, the bear and, <laughs> and, and scurry off in a hurry. Anyways, we're, uh, it's getting dark now. So we're like, we don't know what happened. We never hit the road. Just thinking and, the hunter becomes the hunted. Oh man. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm 11, 12 years old. We're, we're young. And, and uh, are you terrified or just kind of concerned? I, I think I'd be scared to death if I was in your shoes. Right. At this point, we're, we're concerned. Okay. Um, my, my buddy's dad, of course, is like, what is going on? And he had a compass. Um, turns out later, the compass was faulty or broken, and it wasn't leading us the right direction. But we didn't know that at the time. So <laughs> we're, <laughs> we are, so it's good to check your equipment prior to going out in the woods, right? Each time. Just get a good good feel for it. So it's getting dark. We got a bear in the area, and we got backpacks full of rabbits. Um, and it's a snowstorm, so we um, we can't see the sun. We can't really base our navigation on on the sun. And it's rolling hills with with deadfall. So we figured, um, you know, we might as well find 
find somewhere to kind of uh, hunker down for a while. And my one of the one of the hardest parts of the trip was I had a Charleston chew, and I had like two bites left, and so I stick that in my pocket, thinking I got I got to save this for you know who knows how long we're gonna be out here. So I got two bites left. I'm gonna save this. Now, Todd, you're you're dating yourself a little bit here with a Charleston chew. I gotta say. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were good. Um, so, hey, we're only in our 30s. We're not that old. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> I do know so, that one, though. We, we, get, we get down the trail a little further and find, find a place, and I'm digging in my pockets, and I, I can't find my curls and shoes. So uh, I, I dropped it somewhere. Uh, long story short, on the Charleston shoe, my buddy, like three weeks later, admitted to finding it and eating it without me knowing. So our friendship is on the rocks for a little while there. In a life and death situation, you eat my Charleston chew, man. I know. Like that, Come on. That really tested my forgiveness, you know. So um, anyway, so we find a place to hunker down. This is kind of the stump and area with grass. We get a fire going and we get some sticks and got a knife and we clean clean a couple rabbits and put them on the end of the stick and over the fire we're cooking we're cooking rabbit legs so we got fire we got sticks and and some rabbits some food um melting a little snow to to get some water and we eat we're a little impatient and hungry at this time so they were more like charcoal on the outside with with uh quite raw on the inside but at that point, we didn't really care. So um, at this point, it's dark. It's, it's totally dark. And we can hear uh, fireworks off in the distance. So we had some people looking for us. And the, the fireworks were off in the distance. But we're kind of in a bowl. So it's really hard to pinpoint where the gunshots and fireworks are coming from. And so we hear this you know, throughout the night. But it's, it's still a snowstorm. So no planes could get up in the air. Um, nobody could really, you know, do an air, air search for us. And so we, we get maybe 20 minutes of sleep, a little bit of rabbit in our, in our bellies and, um, and some water and make it, make it through the night. And then the next day we start hiking where we, we, we thought uh, the, the sound was coming from. And there was a local a local pilot, a little, there's bush planes, like there's more bush planes per capita in Alaska than anywhere in the world, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so this one local pilot said he, he could get up. There was a break in the weather for about 30 minutes and we're, uh, we're hiking and actually crossing a lake at the time, uh, frozen lake. We don't walk on water here, um, unless it's frozen. <laughs> um, and we hear a buzz off in the distance. And so we, we take off our coats and we're waving, you know, signal, signaling this pilot. And he just happens to spot us. And then the weather socks back in. So we, we, we kind of keep moseying in the, in the direction we think the road is. But uh, um, we uh, find out that the pilot was able to give a GPS coordinate to a, a ground, a ground search. So these guys show up 
and they have uh, fresh socks and warm, you know, hot chocolate and some, no Charleston chews, but some, some food, maybe a Snickers or something. <laughs> and so the pilot was able to lead them to us and we got, we got uh, uh, kind of back going and good, uh, good drink of water and then hiked the rest of the way out. Oh man. So, we were rescued. Uh, There's a whole, they like set up people from restaurants and different places set up like this little camp. And we had, you know, food and donuts and the ambulance was there. And uh, long story short, we spent a night in the woods in Alaska in a blizzard, but we were all safe and safe and sound. And oh, so God wow. was God was watching over us. What a story, man. That's incredible. You didn't lay any eyes on brown bears trying to track you down, right? We did not see them, <laughs> which we were very thankful for. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Wow. What a so story. So that was, that was my probably my most memorable hunting story of my childhood growing oh. up in Alaska. And it was just, just a rabbit hunt that turned into a survival uh, story. That's what I think is hilarious is that like when you think about Alaska, you're like, oh, it's got to be some brown bear hunt or, you know, some some doll sheep hunt in like high in the mountains or something. Just this this epic picture that everyone thinks. And it's like, no, nope, my most memorable moment was hunting rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And I tell you what, that's kind of interesting. I guess I never thought about, you know, obviously we don't have snow hares here. So them turning white and them sticking out it's i compare that to like here whenever it snows you can finally see the deer whenever you get a good snow here because the deer are brown and it's just like you know that's that's crazy I, that how that panned out for you guys to have that as a resource to use and um well, that's neat that's crazy uh, man, uh, matt i'm not sure do you have do you even want to tell a story after that one i don't know if you yeah. had <laughs> no, no, no this shark one time no <laughs> um, i Funny enough, I grew up in uh, Southern California. That's where I grew up, and uh, and you know, I didn't grow up in a in. in I mean, it seems like that's Todd's story is kind of just like a way of life up here. You know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's such a cultural difference from how I grew up. You know, because I grew up two minutes from the beach where you could just walk down to the beach barefoot and and just hang out all day in the sun in Southern California. Yeah, and so that that was i got salt water running through my veins and i and i love the beach i love california geographically i think you understand what i'm saying um and <laughs> i just uh i never grew up in a in a family that really valued hunting and, and the outdoors the way that um that a lot of people do here and so you know my my only experience funny enough was i got two real quick hunting stories because they're they're not very exciting like Todd's but um one one of them actually was I took the kids uh because I have five kids and uh we were a couple months before we were getting ready to move up here actually we went out on a rabbit hunt in Arizona with my friend and we were driving all over the place because uh jackrabbits down there are everywhere and they are <laughs> I, I was talking to some guy who uh does surveying for uh for arizona you know like uh, wildlife and stuff and and i saw he was i saw that he had some he had killed some was like all excited about making some stew or something like that and i was like i've heard so many mixed things about you know eating jackrabbit and and he's like oh no they're great man you got to give it a try so 
was just telling my buddy, I was like, hey, let's go out and, you know, see if we can go bow hunting with the kids. And so we're just walking around the desert, you know, just flinging arrows left and right, losing arrows left and right, because hitting a jackrabbit with a, with a bow is crazy hard because they have huge, huge ears and they can hear you from a mile away. And so getting, yeah. getting the drop on one was super hard. And I just remember my buddy, uh, we were driving out from this spot that he, uh, that we had stopped at and got out and walked around. And then we see off in the distance, this jackrabbit just stick up in the middle of like this open field. And so he just gets out of the truck and uh, ranges, ranges him out. And he's just outside of a hundred yards and he lets an arrow fly and misses the thing by I'd say a quarter of an inch right over his back. And just the, we were all sitting there just with such anticipation because we, we didn't get into anything. And uh, that was our only shot. That was our last shot at getting a rabbit. Cause after that, the sun was going down and we had to, mm. we were calling it. And then uh, we, my only successful time out hunting was actually when we got here in the springtime, we were walking around the, um, the backwoods. So we're on this big property here and, uh, there's like everywhere you turn, there's like a section of woods around you here. And so there's spruce hen everywhere. And we, uh, we, we had, me and the kids went out in the back with, uh, our pastor here and Dan, and I had just picked up a Ruger 1022 and we're just walking around and so my we see one up in the tree and our pastor's got this old like pump action 22 and he's taking a couple shots with it and missing left and right so I just I was like here man I didn't have my license at the time so he was hunting it with the kids and so I handed my my Ruger and he takes a shot and and nails it and then so we we brought it back to the house and and uh and cooked it up but mm. so my one of my one of my guns has got a kill on it, but it wasn't complete. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Hey, if I tell you what, I did not, I would never guess this morning that I would have woke up and by the end of the day, I could tell two different, you know, rabbit hunting stories, a snow hare and a jackrabbit. I did not know that was coming. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm excited because I get my license in May. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you, you have be here a year to be a resident and get your residence license. Okay. And, uh, so Matt's got, got that on the calendar, I'm sure. <laughs> May 24th. <laughs> so Matt, what kind of, like, are you, what kind of animals are you interested in going after? Like, so after you get that license, is there anything like on the bucket list now that you're in Alaska, you're going to stick with jackrabbits and uh, spruce hen, or are you going to kind of spice it up a little bit? What, what's your thoughts there? Oh man, I moose tastes so good. Yeah. Oh man, I, I would love to to get a moose for sure, but uh, I also love black bear because right before we left, I had a friend who uh, who cooked me up some black bear, and they're they're they are a plentiful up here. There's almost as many black bears there are rabbits. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. That is incredible. So Todd, let's let's hop back over to you for a second. Um, you mentioned the rabbit story, which is really cool. Have you had a chance to go after anything like any of these other like big game Alaska kind of things, or has it just been some of the smaller things for you? Yeah, no, I've I've shot a few moose, uh, caribou. Watched a moose die. Oh man, I, <laughs> yeah. There's a story. 
Um, and uh, you have and, my you have my attention. Okay. <laughs> so there's this. I guess we'll do uh, up north hunt, hunting story. I'll combine a couple. So there's this uh, place a few hundred miles away that we we load up ATVs and we go up, um, and it's uh, in, towards the interior of Alaska. Lots of moose, really good uh, moose hunting, you know, some bear, but the main reason we go is, is moose. And we unload, unload our ATVs. This one year I thought it would, would be pretty fun to ride a Rocon. It's a little two wheel drive, all terrain vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and my, my dad's in a side-by-side -side and friends of ours and side-by-sides, rangers and, I'm on this Rokon and the tundra is kind of mounds, kind of a, a spongy. And so it's, it's riding me more than I'm riding it. <laughs> but we, we get to the river and the river's pretty high. And so the rangers go across no problem. And, and then it's my turn to cross the river. <laughs> so what I didn't anticipate is the carburetor was on the upstream side. And I hit the river and the water backs up. It's, you know, two or three feet deep and I'm going and it sucks in the water in uh -huh. the, in the carburetor and dies. And now I'm in the middle of the river floating down on this Rokon motorcycle trying to keep it up. So I'm trying to push it and, and not float away. And my dad and, and our, our friend comes in and all three of us, pull it out of, out of the river. And of course I'm soaked right now. <laughs> like, man, every, every hunt I get cold and wet. Um, <laughs> uh, that's why I've invested in pretty good hunting gear because buy nice or buy twice. <laughs> that's my saying. So uh, that's a good saying because, uh, especially in Alaska, it makes a difference. If you can't get dry and warm, it can be a life and death situation. Right? So, mm. Anyways, we get the Rokon out of the river and we, we get camp set up. And, and I think it was that year that um, I got a 54 inch moose and uh, we, it was almost dark and we're, we're driving back. And I just, the sun was just above the tree. So it's still shining just a hair. And it might've been more moonlight than, than sun at that point. And I catch a glisten of the antlers. They, they kind of shine, they catch catch the light after they've uh, rubbed all the uh, felt off. And so I catch a, a little glimmer and the guy I was hunting with, he old, old, uh, old timer that shot plenty of moose. He says, it's a, it's in the mid fifties. If you don't shoot it, I'm going to shoot it. So that gave me the confidence to, uh, to take him and made the shot across this ravine. Uh, I think it's 250 yards. And just, uh, he never, never got up, never knew what, what hit him. And so rather than going back to camp and getting a warm dinner, we spent, spent the next like four hours field dressing a 54 inch moose. And the body was, was huge. I think we had nine game bags weighing probably around a hundred pounds each. Wow. Field, wow. Field so that's the biggest moose I've shot in that same area. Uh, up north there, a few years later, I was 
eyeing a bigger moose. It was, it was, I thought it was mid fifties to 60. And I'm, I'm up there with my family, my parents, and then I have three kids and a wife. And my kids at the time were, they were young. Um, one or two probably still in diapers and, and we're back in the middle of, middle of the woods. And I'm off hunting by myself. It's, it's raining. And I spot this big old bull moose and I'm, I'm kind of up a ridge and sitting overlooking a, 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 a valley. And this big moose comes walking up and uh, it's probably five, 500 yards. And so I'm just watching it. And pretty soon it's within a few hundred yards, but it's down. I'm on the side of a mountain. It's down a ways. So I'm getting a game plan for, for making a stop and getting in a good position. But then also through my, my mind is if I drop this moose on the side of a mountain, my, my six-year-old son is not going to be able to help pack me, pack this out. So <laughs> I'm a little, I'm like, maybe I could wait for this to get in a little better area. So I'm not packing out for two days by myself and I'm watching it. I have a, a, you know, a phone scope that goes on my spotting scope and I'm taking a video of this thing and I'm, and I'll pause the video and kind of measure the antlers. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's gotta be at least mid fifties in that area. It has to be over 50 inches to be legal or okay. have, or have four brow tines. Okay. Gotcha. And so it was big moose though. And I'm like, it's, it's legal. I just uh, need to kind of get a game plan. So I'm videoing this, have the video rolling. And all of a sudden I hear boom. And the moose smack, the moose kind of, uh, you know, humps up and then continues walking and boom, a couple more shots and, and um, the moose drops. So I have this all on video. Somebody just shot my 58 inch moose <laughs> right in front of me. Wow. <laughs> they, they hiked up from the bottom and I never saw them. And it was a... Uh, Three or four guys, they they hiked up, and one of them one of them got it. So I went down, congratulated them, measured it. It was fifty eight inch moose, big old moose, and told the guy, "You probably should get me your email address because I just got <laughs> on video." <laughs> <laughs> so that was probably one of, one of the more disappointing uh, uh, hunting hunting uh, adventures, but. Um, uh, that's the way it goes sometimes i guess you you snooze you lose or uh or you get somebody's moose on on video one or the other so <laughs> man that's incredible oh, that's that's so like it's awesome but it's not it stinks that you didn't get it but just the fact that you're able to get it on video and i'm sure that guy probably <laughs> shows that video all the time to people right he was pretty thrilled because uh he didn't know he didn't know his hunt was all on on video and i'm up on the mountain shooting it through my you know spotting scope so it was it was pretty cool oh, that is man that's that's awesome a lot of neat experiences and and things that you guys have you know just different things that you probably experienced that people all in the lower 48 don't get to experience you know moose hunts uh, my buddy told me the other day he's like hey are you applying for maine and i'm like i uh, what are you talking about he goes there's a moose hunt in maine it's like the cheapest in the united states it's still like six hundred dollars but you know i mean that's 
that would that's such a big animal and i can't fathom i mean i've i've hauled an elk quarter off the mountain i can't fathom doing a moose that's just (laughs) you better you better pack some llamas or a four-wheeler or something because that's that's got to be terrible yeah and in alaska um so i've had this last year to to study up on a lot of stuff and uh in alaska there's a lot of uh a lot of game areas that require you to bone out, like you have to take bone with you. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're, you're packing out the entire animal. I That's think, a like, lot of extra really weight. Is like the spine. Yeah. Uh, the guts and the, the, uh, hide. Man, I think I might just stick to snow hairs if I were you guys. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's why I prefer uh, <laughs> like a large ranger or something. My, yeah. our pastor, Dan, his son, wants to come up and, and moose hunt and and fly in and then hike around. And I told him, if you go more than a mile and drop a big moose, I am not going to be happy. <laughs> You're going to be packing on your own after the first trip. I'm going to cook cook uh, some moose tenderloin or something while you pack. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's why a lot of people either have ATVs or float hunt. Okay. Uh, a lot of people you'll uh, fly in and float out on on a river and then you can put in your raft which is pretty pretty cool way to hunt yeah that is cool uh, well i want to take a an angle here now matt um you mentioned being uh that you moved from nevada to you know arizona. Not, arizona sorry i always get this changed up arizona to alaska but you said that you were a missionary can you explain that a little bit what's it like to to be a missionary in alaska like what's that what caused the move? So, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the the ministry as well. But you know, it's been oh man, I'd say eight or nine years that I've been running away from what God had called me to do, which is step into ministry full time. Um, I believe that God calls everybody into ministry, but you know, there are some that He calls to be, um, you know, pastors and teachers and. Um, I remember be, being in Southern California and, and walking, uh, at our church to, and I see this huge group of high schoolers walking into their, um, you know, their, their Sunday, like youth group that they were having, cause they had their own like church service at the place we were going to. And I just felt like this huge tug on my heart to like, get it like, this is where you need to be, you know? And so for the last, I don't know, eight, nine years, I've just been running away from that. And then it wasn't until we were in Arizona that our, my last pastor was like, you know, listening to all the conversations that we've had about, you know, what I'm doing, how doing at work and all this stuff. And he's like, every time you talk about your job, you're always trying to find a way to spin it into a ministry. And he goes, and that's, that's a great thing to have. He goes, but just knowing you and, and, and listening to how you talk and about it, I think there's more there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he's like, so, you were considered about going into ministry as like, you know, full time. And I was like, ah, no, of course not. Actually I have. <laughs> and so <laughs> I've uh, spent a lot of time thinking about it. And this is something my wife had been for years telling me that that's what I should have been doing anyway. Um, so guys listen to your wives. They are, they are smart. They are yeah. smart and they're, she is far wiser than I, I give her credit for sometimes. Um, and, and so I was just, uh, really, really thinking about it, praying about it, talking with my wife about it. And 
She's like, well, you know what I think. I think you've been, should have been doing this all this all along. And so, you know, I, uh, I just kind of surrendered to that just after seeking some counsel from wise people that I, uh, you know, wise godly men in my life that I, I look up to and, um, you know, through scripture and then much prayer, I just was like, all right, Lord, if you're in this, let's do it. And, uh, was getting ready to go to, go to, uh, Bible college and stuff. And then, um, this opportunity to work with Todd and the compass came about, um, because I had reached out to Todd a few, um, about a year or so ago, because a good friend of mine, who's actually our worship pastor here, uh, came up a few years back to, uh, to film a video for, uh, incorporate Nikiski, um, trying, cause Nikiski is like a, a, it's not really a town. What is it? it it's just a, a rural It's area. an area. Yeah. It's just an area that's part of, so like all of our addresses say, um, Kenai, they don't say Nikiski, but. Okay. Know, gotcha. There's kind of a dividing line. And, uh, and so talked to Todd, been talking to Todd, you know, just reaching out, just reached out to him after I saw the video that Steve had made for him. And it was like, Hey man, just thank you for your, you know, obedience to God, you know, as I'm sitting here rebelling against what he's asking me to do. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and then, uh, my buddy Steve sent me this, you know, description of, uh, the position that I'm in now. And he, and I was like, surely it doesn't work that fast. God, like, surely it doesn't. this was like, after my wife and I prayed about it and said, yes, like I get this message from Steve, uh, probably two and a half, three weeks later. Uh, uh, and I was like, no way that this is happens. And God then, says, yes, it does happen that way. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> right <laughs> and so i was like all right same thing all right guys wow. if, if this is it then you know you're gonna provide a way and make it happen and so um we came up here last december um in 20 uh yeah, yeah 2019 december um and then so right before like the nation decided to just turn upside down yeah and uh so we got we got brought up and um just to kind of meet with the compass meet with the people on the board at the compass meet with the church here because i've kind of have my uh i got my irons and a couple different fires here and then you know it's coming up that part of my agreement coming up here was i'm coming up as a missionary to this area so support raising is something that i have to do and I'm like, seriously, this is what I'm doing. Like you're calling me into ministry. Not only are you calling me into ministry, you're calling me to be a missionary. You're calling me a missionary to Alaska. And in the middle of a pandemic, I want you to generate and raise support. I was like, okay, yeah, that, that sounds about right. So that's kind of how that all started. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to rely on my own understanding here. Like God works in ways that like, I could never even understand. Um, and even if he told us, we wouldn't believe it. Hmm. And so I, uh, I just committed to it. And I was like, again, God, if you're in this, you're going to see a way through it. And so just, I could, I could fill up hours of all the different things that just fell into place at all the right times, you know, from 
selling different things that we needed to get rid of, you know, paying off certain things like that, certain debts and stuff. And just everything like fell into place as if it was planned. And well, mm-hmm. we know that it was. So uh, just, it was, it was amazing experience to get going. And, you know, some, one that I'm still very much in the middle of um, with, uh, with generating support. Like we have a trip planned in a couple of weeks to go back down to Arizona, pick up a few things that we couldn't bring through because um, when all this started, when we were coming up here, the borders were closed and we didn't have a way of establishing residency. So we couldn't prove to the Canadian border that we were not just passing through to enjoy the fun of Canada. Gotcha. <laughs> so we had to leave some stuff down there. So we're going back down there. We're going to speak at our, our church and stuff that was closed down when we left. So we're going to finally get an opportunity to share what we've been doing and uh, got a couple other places that we're going to be speaking as well. So, Wow. That's, that's an incredible year that you've had and kind of, I mean, taking a step into the deep end and, and trusting God. And that's just cool to hear how he's, he's coming through for you, Matt. Now, tell me, tell me a little bit about what Compass is in, um, you know, I don't know, Todd, if you want to uh, jump in, what, what is Compass? Tell us a little bit about the ministry there and what that's about. Yeah. So, so the compass, a little bit about how the compass started is I, I actually have an engineering degree and spent about a decade in uh, oil and gas here in Alaska, refining and upstream oil and gas. Um, I had a job with ConocoPhillips and kind of, you know, on the uh, climbing the corporate ladder, if you will. And and I always was involved in ministry and youth ministry, but some circumstances with the church and, and um, things going on, I found myself out of uh, ministry, youth ministry for a little while. And my job moved me to the North Slope, which is the top of Alaska. So we talked about darkness in the winter where I was working two weeks on, two weeks off. There was weeks where we never saw the sun come over the horizon. Oh, uh, that's that's darkness up there. And so I was it was uh, it was April, April 27th of 2017 that just kind of out of the blue. God, God really called me to help you navigate life and point them to Christ. And my wife and I. Uh, felt called to start a youth ministry. So the compass is what it's called. And it's really all about youth. There's a lot of amazing youth in Alaska. There's also a lot of really, uh, I guess, hardships and family brokenness and drug abuse. And a lot of, you know, some of those things are are, uh, with the darkness and there's depression and other things. So we really felt called to engage our young young people with uh, the compass, and so the the mission of the the compass is to encourage, equip, and empower the youth of Alaska by building healthy relationships, teaching practical life skills, and by, by sharing the love of Jesus. We wanted to really get to know and build healthy relationships with the youth in our community, and then. Uh, help prepare them to um, be be successful in life, but also obviously share share the Lord with them, um, and in a lot of ways help some of these youth break the chains 
that some of them two or three generations, their families have been stuck in some of the, the destructive strongholds. So we started, a, again, I'd, I'd never, never been part of a nonprofit, let alone start one, but God just kept opening doors. And within a year, I had quit my uh, engineering job with ConocoPhillips. We got a facility the next month. We remodeled it um, and had a little opening, little grand opening for the community in August. And by September 5th, we had youth uh, coming to an after-school drop-in center um, where we, we helped them with homework, we played games, we built relationships. And it's almost like Field of Dreams, you'd build it and they will come because there's a lot of youth that are just dying for um, you know, things to do or healthy, healthy uh, places to, to be. And so before we knew it, we were averaging, you know, 20, 30, and now 40 students every day. And just to give you a perspective, our town is spread out, you know, it's, I mean, miles, square miles. Uh, it's from one end of our little town to the other, you know, you can drive 20 miles, 15, 20 miles. Yeah. And we, we got a location near the middle high school and the students just started coming. Less and, than a mile door to door. Yeah. And mm. in this community, there, it's a community of about 4,000 people. Um, but like I said, very spread out. The, the middle high school has 250 students from sixth grade to 12th grade. And we were we were seeing 40, sometimes over 50 a day of the students in our community. So God just like brought the students there. And over the last two years, we've been able to start some um, programs, outdoor adventure, we call it Navigate Outdoors. We have a community service program called Pioneer Together. We really want the, the youth to learn to give back to, to their community. Mm -hmm. uh, Traverse Life, help them, you know, with practical life skills, um, whether it's, you know, teaching, uh, you know, somebody to check, check the oil on their car, or I, I have a 1952 Willys truck that I bought a few years ago and I'm, I donate it to the compass. We want to get a group of, you know, uh, people together and do a restoration project with some of the youth. Mm. And, and that preaches. Exactly. We, you know, really like we're restoring this, this uh, old rusty car. And in the same way, God can restore the brokenness, you know, in your life and really just speak life and truth into these uh, young people in our community. And we have a, a faith-based tr true North uh, program, uh, you know, Bible study. And then we also want to get youth together and do some mission uh, trips and uh, into the villages in Alaska. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of need in, in the villages, both practical, spiritual, and just uh, uh, young people that need, um, you know, need, need truth and need uh, sometimes just need a, a hug or a smile um, in, in our, in our villages. Um, and, and then also obviously help them, you know, with school and small business, creating small businesses, different things like that. So we're kind of transitioning as an organization from startup to um, 
really trying to hit our stride and get um, you know people in place on staff and volunteers so we can meet the need because the need the need is there. Yeah. And, um, and we just we feel feel called and, and honored to to help meet the need in Man. this community and and beyond. Right. So don't know where it's going to go, but um, we're just kind of uh, one day at a time and spending spending with some of the youth. They come every day for three, four hours. We're spending 16, 18 hours a week with some of these youth. And it's been neat to see how they've grown and how how, uh, you know, the relationships we have with with the youth in our community. That's really awesome, guys. I mean, that's neat how it's kind of branched out into several different things. Uh, tell me about, um, I guess we can kind of wrap up with this. Something that kind of piqued my interest um, is Navigate Outdoors. It looks like you guys are taking some of these kids into some of the backcountry and getting them off the beaten path. Tell me a little bit about what that's like, and I'm sure there's probably some stories that surround that. Yeah, absolutely. So as as anybody in the year 2021 or, you know, the last decade, um, there's a pull for our youth to be in front of the screen all the time. And uh, to give an example, during this pandemic, a lot of the you know schools were closed and youth were at home. And I did kind of a little informal survey. A lot of our youth were in front of a computer or a phone for 10, 12, up to one kid said 16 hours a day. And so we, we, uh, we want to help them have some other life experiences than electronics. And one of the best ways to do that, as we know, is get out in God's creation, right? And get Mm -hmm. them out hiking, fishing, um, exploring. And so that's what Navigate Outdoors, you know, is all about, is getting our youth out from their normal day-to-day and, you know, building character, teamwork, um, camaraderie, uh, friendship, um, while we, while we hike or fish, um, or, you know, go to, go to the, the beach and, and, uh, uh, you know, throw a frisbee, really just getting them out. Um, and Matt probably has a couple, he, Matt came up last spring, so he got to experience all of the summer outdoors. We do some winter, we did a trout, um, a lake fishing, ice fishing last week or a couple weeks ago, I guess now where we drill holes through three feet of ice. It was three feet, wasn't it? Yeah. That? And we had one kid that actually did it by hand. <laughs> oh my out. goodness. <laughs> we told him like, Hey man, if you get this done, you know, we'll, we got something for you. And he stood there with a hand drill and got all the way through the ice after an hour of like, yeah. and this kid, like some of the kids up here are just like so much tougher than I am. Like <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not gonna lie about it, man. They like, this kid was sitting there scooping out the slush out of the hole with his hand hit like it, the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour. It's snowing. It's cold. (laughs) Like, and he's got like, he's in just like a, like one of those mechanic, like coveralls. Yeah. Like his arms, (laughs) his arms are soaking wet. And he's just sitting there scooping it out by hand and it gets going again and then scoops it out by hand goes and he does this for an hour and I'm, mm. I'm sitting there just like, and I, I like the cold, but that's a whole different <laughs> level right there. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And yeah, we, we had a great time this summer. You know, we, we went on a couple of different hikes. We had kind of a real 
mellow one, you know, is really easy. And then we had a slightly more advanced one that, you know, a little bit more elevation gain, a little bit harder of a hike. And I mean, we had, I think more kids show up to that one than we did the first one, which was crazy. Yeah. And uh, I just, a couple of them didn't know what quite what they got themselves into. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. In, like there's a couple of the girls show up wearing socks and like slide sandals uh, we had a couple kids that took off their shoes and were like practically running up the mountain. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of those, those same boys were uh, Alec and Josh were, we're hanging out. We get up to this lake and we're just hanging out there is where we stop and had lunch and, you know, built a little fire to do some uh, roast some marshmallows and stuff. And uh, we go, we're just walking around the lake and stuff where we're eating marshmallows and all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we're going to climb this tree. And they're, they just take off and they're just blitzing up this tree. And then all of a sudden you see them hanging out over the edge. They're, they're, you know, 30 feet in the air and they're just hanging. Hey, look at us up here. Just having a blast. And I was like, Oh, please, please, Lord, just let them be like, keep those branches strong. They're the <laughs> top of the tree. Like, the branches are new, and they're thin, and they're not necessarily the strongest yeah. yet. And so I'm just like, Lord, please, please just protect this situation. And yeah. come to find out now, these two boys uh, have, uh, they're on, like, a first-name basis with everyone at the emergency room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> and, yeah, and so they're 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 a blast. We see them all the time, but it's just mm. funny because that's they, cool. They definitely made my heart skip a little bit. Man, I tell you, you guys, that type of thing is so needed. You're right, I, and it doesn't matter if you're in Alaska or where you are. It's just, you know, I, I know how much I'm glued to my screen, and I can't imagine that younger generation growing up. You know, now now school is on the screen. You know, so you're on the screen all day, like if there was ever a time to get kids out in the woods, now's definitely the time. I mean, it's always been good, but right now it just seems like that's a time to clear your head, put your phone away and just, you know, take in nature, take in creation. It's so, so needed. So I'm glad that you guys are a part of that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And even for us, it's, it's just so refreshing to get out there. The one, the easy hike Matt was talking about is to a river that has a little falls and we go back there and the salmon are jumping up the falls. And some of of the youth are like amazed that the salmon are jumping up the falls um, because they'd never seen it. They just, because you grew up in Alaska, you can, you can miss Alaska even growing up in Alaska. And so Mm. what we want, there are definitely people (laughs) that take it for granted where they live for sure. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, amazing state and, I'm blown away that there's not more people that live here, but you know, the, there's definitely some kids that, you know, growing up here, they don't know what they have. I mean, they're, I'm sure you, you know, there's plenty of hunters and fishermen that would trade places with them in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and sometimes it's, you know, they don't, they either, uh, their family isn't into that or they don't have, you know, somebody to take them out and do these things. So it's one way we can really invest in them, you know, as an organization, but also just as, as men in this community and really, um, you know, pour, pour into the young people. So that's actually one of the kind of the most rewarding uh, times we have with, with our youth. Mm. Yeah, I love that guys. 
it's really been cool because some of those experiences that we have really just give us an opportunity to speak some of God's truth into their life. And like, I just think about like when we were hiking up that same, that same uh, hike that the boys were hanging off the tree and uh, they were like those, there was a group that were lightning fast, just like, like I said, running up the mountain and I'm hanging out in the back with some of the kids who are, who are struggling a little bit more. And, uh, and I was like, we got to, here's, there's an application here somewhere. And so I was like, we're going to, we're going to exercise. We're going to do a little exercise in patience. And, uh, and so we, we had the kids that are in the back set pace for a little section of the trail. And then all the kids that were in the front had to go to the back and, and, and learn how to slow down and be patient and, mm. and wait for each other. And then it was just perfect because Todd brought in, um, just completely slipped my mind. I was like, just trying to keep everyone together, you know? And he's like, this is a great application of, you know, like the first will become last um, <laughs> and the last will become first, you know, just uh, gave us an opportunity just right then and there, um, mm. just stop and speak a little bit of the truth into the, the situation and nice. uh, captive audience. So it makes it really hard for them to run away. <laughs> Man, I tell you, Matt, Todd, I love what you guys are doing up there. That's really awesome. And I think it's so needed and um just hats off to you guys for doing that if guys want to um support this or find out more about it they can go to i looked you guys up your the compass ak.com right that's right that's it yeah and, and i noticed there's all kinds of information about what you guys do you have a coffee house so that piques my interest um <laughs> but one of the things i want to let our listeners know is if you want to support uh this ministry if you want to support um, Matt, you know, you moved your whole family up there. Uh, there's a button there where you can click donate and there's options to give and, and give on a one-time basis, weekly basis or yearly. And I encourage listeners, you know, if, if that's something you want to support, go check that out and, um, and check these guys out. Cause guys, I love what you're doing. It's so awesome just to pour into other people's lives the way that you're doing. Thank you, Travis. We're, we're honored and, and we're excited to see you know, where, where the compass goes over the next months and years. So. I, I have to ask this question. Does this have anything to do with the broke? Does the name have anything to do with the broken compass that you had as a kid <laughs> that got you stuck out in a snowstorm? <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. It's really, really, I just felt God calling us to help these youth get their, their compass pointed in, in the right direction. Okay. And yes. Uh, which is ultimately. Yeah. Which exactly. <laughs> and which, because I've had some experiences when it's not pointed in the right direction, uh, things don't go well. <laughs> We've brought it full circle. <laughs> Matt, Todd, thank you guys so much for coming on tonight um, and just sharing some of your amazing stories, both hunting and what you're doing in ministry. Really appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. I'll be excited to hear what the compass has uh, on the horizon and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys later. All right. Take, Take care. care. Really appreciate Todd and Matt coming on, sharing their stories and uh, just neat to kind of hear those stories from Alaska. And I just love what those guys are doing up there. It's, it's not a, just about hunting for them. It's about helping these kids reaching out in that community and making a difference. It's a small town and they are making a huge, huge impact in that community, and that's so cool uh, what they're doing. So don't think that you got to be someplace big, doing big, giant things to make an impact. Sometimes it's just saying yes to those little things and, and 
giving uh, attention to those people around you that God's placed in your circle. So that'd be my encouragement for you guys this week. Be sure to check out The Compass, what those guys are doing up there in Alaska. And uh, if you'd like to support them, I'd, I'd encourage you to do so. Guys, thank you so much for coming back for another episode. Hope that we have some more great stories next week. I know that we will. And until then, remember to shed the light.